Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgandorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 2, Episode 7, The New Kid, in which Daria falls for The New Kid in school and makes a few enemies in the process. The episode premiered on March 29th, 1998, and was written by Sam Johnson and Chris Marcel. The duo's previous episodes include Season 1's College Board and The Big House as well as the unaired pilot, Sealed with a Kick. They also wrote for the 90s staples, Frasier, News Radio, and Daria's parent show, Beavis and Butthead. So worth noting that, you know, we mentioned Johnson and Marshall handled The Big House and College Board and Sealed with a Kick. Those three episodes occupy, what is it? It looks like three of the bottom six Ouch. In our top 20. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Uh, to be fair, one of those is sealed with a kick, which is kind of only toward the bottom because it's a five-minute pilot episode where not a whole lot happened. And really, we enjoyed that pilot a lot. It's just tiny. Right. And it's it's going to be hard to rank any episode of any like full episode of Daria below a five-minute storyboard pilot. Right. And yet we've done it twice. <laughs> One of those being from these guys. So, eh, I don't know. All right. Let's do the beat by beat. Woo. Yeah. We open in the hallways of Lawndale High. Jody approaches Daria at her locker to ask why she didn't show at the yearbook photography meeting. Daria is reluctant to participate, as usual, but Jody reminds her of the perks, which include the possibility of a bribe from her parents. At the Morgendorfer residence that evening, the cash is on the table, and Daria is negotiating. On the one hand, yearbooks completely distort the reality of high school. On the other hand, she could buy some computer software with those dollar uh, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so a neat little uh, neat little callback here, I guess. Um, and this was something that I didn't catch because I was never really a big fan of Beavis and Butthead. But uh, according to Outpost Daria Reborn, uh, this uh, interest that Daria has in photography actually harkens back to her days on Beavis and Butthead, where she did, in fact, have an interest in photography. How about that? Yeah, she walked around with a camera and everything. I can't imagine it's a coincidence that this episode was written by former Beavis and Butthead writers, and all of a sudden Daria has this interest in photography again. Right. <laughs> But it is a neat little, it adds a neat little bit to her character. Like we know that she's into writing. Now we know she's into photography. She's ostensibly into building websites. She's got the artistic kind of vibe. Yes. About her. Yeah. <laughs> by the by, the phrase web page software feels super, super dated. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm really wondering what a web page 
that Daria makes would look like or what it would even be about. I mean, it's got to be a blog, right? Like a current events blog or something like that. Or Live journal. Oh, God. Zanga. 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 Wow. <laughs> Live journal, Zanga. That's the, I actually have, and we'll we'll get into why this whole webpage software thing is a ruse a little bit later on, but I'm not entirely sure Dario would need software to build a website. I feel like she would know HTML or at least be able to figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I think the latter is probably what I would believe, like that she would, she would understand it pretty quickly. But I don't know, she hasn't shown an interest in web page building before. So true. I mean, it's all a surprise. This episode, <laughs> photography, web pages. This is a whole new character with the same name. <laughs> She's going to come into the next scene on a skateboard. If we sound a little bit off for the first like half hour or so of this episode, it's because we're recording this half hour again. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, we got through uh, a good chunk of, of this episode already and then had a tremendous software crash that cost us the entire thing. Um, so we're kind, of, we're kind of zipping through a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty pissed about that last night. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. It's amazing that we've made it this far without it happening already. Yeah, I know. You're right. Yeah. We're nine months and like 21 episodes in. Wow. It's amazing that we've made that many episodes. Yes. <laughs> Just going to pat ourselves on the back there for a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the next yearbook photography meeting... Daria is studying negatives to the grooves of Cavern by Liquid Liquid. She meets Ted, the photo editor, who lacks basic conversation skills because he's been homeschooled, but he does manage to compliment Daria's work as reminiscent of Francisco Goya's peasant paintings. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can buy that. It's something about the lighting and... Does he say something about starkness? I believe so. I don't remember the exact words he uses. It sounds convincing, though. Yes. she. He clearly knows Goya. She does right. not. No. Which is a little bit surprising, but... I'm not really surprised. I mean, she's been in, like, what, one, one art class? <laughs> That we've seen. I'm sure that art classes have happened outside of that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... It's not like her only experience with art class is the poster contest. <laughs> <laughs> I would feel really bad for her if that were the case. That's, that's pretty bad. Although, hey, public schooling, so... Yeah. In my public schooling, I don't really remember going over Goya, but... No. You know. No, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about Caravaggio. I remember that. Anyway, <laughs> later on, when Daria recounts the meeting to her best bud, Jane, we can see she's totally smitten, mostly because she has a book of Goya 
right there. <laughs> yeah, she's laying on Jane's bed reading a giant book about Goy. Like, it's massive, this huge tome that she picked up. Yeah, she had that conversation and we, she went straight to the library and said, I need a book about Francisco Goya. I need your biggest book on Francisco Goya. <laughs> I'm going to pull up my flatbed. You just lay it on there. <laughs> At the next photography meeting, there's a lot of photography meetings in this episode. Yeah, what the hell? They meet a lot. No art classes, plenty of photography meetings. Mm -hmm. Ted requests that do-gooders get more page space. So in a fit of sadism, I, I guess, something, I don't know, it's really weird what DiMartino is doing in this scene. Well, <laughs> Mr. DiMartino announces on the spot that sports and clubs are cut from yearbook. Ted, not understanding irony or hyperbole or apparently even the wrath of the yearbook club, he's over the moon. <laughs> Daria, who has been identified as an accomplice but is probably more of an accessory, will definitely suffer the consequences. Oh, Ted. Oh, Mr. DiMartino. Who should we talk about first here? <laughs> well... I mean, you mentioned that Mr. DiMartino is weird in this scene, and I don't think it's a matter of, I think what you were implying there was a little bit less that he's acting weirdly and more that it's just weird that he is present in this position doing this thing. Yeah, I. it just seems like the wrong assignment for him <laughs> it's like they were they were handing out the gigs they were like divvying everything up they were like all right you handle you know you handle newspaper and you go handle the intramural clubs and then like d martino comes in from the bathroom and they're like oh yeah uh you got your book oh man so it makes sense that on the chalkboard in the background he's scrawled in all caps don't embarrass me <laughs> <laughs> he writes exactly how he talks, and it's fantastic. Yes. Um, I also, I just don't really understand his motivation here. Like, why would he go along with this? I mean, if you are... <laughs> Daria is about to make the point that it's hard to be a traitor to anything that you don't actually believe in. And I think if you really aren't invested whatsoever in how the yearbook turns out, Throwing a little bit of chaos its way is probably a good way to inject your day with a little fun. I'll accept that explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so we should also talk about Ted. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> uh, Ted. How do we feel about Ted right off the bat? Um, hate his voice. Yes. He's painful to listen to. Yes. Yeah. I, be I believe the phrase I used yesterday was, sucks out loud. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I do believe you used that phrase. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like his voice, um, but I don't think we're really supposed to like his voice. Yes. I don't think we're really supposed to like him that much. I think we are not supposed to like him on the face of it, but I I do think then if that's the case, we have a little bit of conflict between how we see him and how Daria sees him. Right. And I don't know how to feel about that. 
Like I think we to this point are able to pretty much trust Daria are pretty much able to trust Daria's judgment in a lot of things because she's shown pretty good judgment. Well, let's look at why she might like him. Um obviously he is intelligent. Yes. He knows his stuff and you know, he is um he has no reservations in showing it. Yeah. <laughs> Which could be dangerous in high school. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. This this kid is not going to survive four years. Like that's not, or I guess three. This kid's not going to survive three years. Um, he's very genuine. Yes. Uh, that's not a bad quality. It's something Daria would appreciate. Um, he's a bit awkward, so sure. I can see how that might appeal to Daria. Totally. Uh, he's clearly principled albeit in a kind of blind way yeah that's kind <laughs> and um and let's not forget and this is probably the biggest thing he compliments her yeah yeah he talks to her he clearly is you know he's clearly impressed with her work and he's you know doing more than just kind of treating her as more of the scenery. So, so she gets attention. So she gets a crush. Oh man! See, <laughs> <laughs> look what I did. <laughs> you just walked right into that, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, no, but it's not your fault. It's the writing. <laughs> I'm sticking to that. <laughs> We are given very few reasons to actually buy that Daria has a legit crush on this guy is what it really comes down to. Like we've, we've kind of laid out the case here, but it's not like the writers go out of the way to show any chemistry or anything. It's, it's all pretty awkward. They they have something. It's not Daria and Trent kind of energy, but Nothing is Daria and Trent kind of energy. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Nobody's writing fanfic about Daria and Ted. Yeah. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. I guarantee you people are writing fanfic about Daria and Ted. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the reason we don't like Ted that much is just because we love Trent. There is there's a much larger discussion to be had about this subject a little bit later on um, in the series, but I truly think if people are looking to Trent as an ideal partner for Daria, they are not seeing the same show that the writers are writing. <laughs> and I think Glenn Eichler has said something to that effect. <laughs> Just because... He's not an ideal partner doesn't mean... True. He's not the stuff of fantasy. (laughs) True. Totally fair point. Of like 90s girl fantasy. Yes. (laughs) Also, hey, teenagers make pretty poor choices. Yeah. Oh, that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this got off on a tangent. Maybe we should get back to the beat by beat. <laughs> We're not wild about Ted. That's what it comes down to. No. <laughs> Daria is at her locker again. 
The One by Tracy Bonham plays as Kevin and Brittany approach. They are livid, and they label Daria a traitor. Though, as Daria points out, as we said before, it's hard to be a traitor if you aren't invested and loyal to a cause in the first place. The Fashion Club is also bitching about the yearbook fiasco. Quinn volunteers to step in and talk to this Daria person. Aside from some light intimidation, though, Quinn really doesn't accomplish much. Yeah, um... I will say, though, that... uh... I do think we are getting competent Quinn here. Well, we're kind of in her wheelhouse, right? Um, yeah. She realizes that Daria has a crush, and she has one of my favorite lines in this episode, which is, all right, keep your secret to treasure always. Yeah. <laughs> and she says it really fast. <laughs> yeah. She's like, all right, keep it your secret to treasure always. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, this is in relationships. That's her thing. So she's on point here. Yeah. And I like seeing that. I don't know. I feel like we, we've gotten a bunch of different versions of Quinn and some of them are, some of them are better than others. Yes. Uh, college board we got a version of quinn that was perfectly okay being basically subservient to a bunch of frat guys yeah i was just remembering that these writers wrote that (laughs) and keg queen goes to pick up the keg which is from the store that is (laughs) like get it get a delivery right (laughs) the 14 year old gets to go pick up the keg the waif of a human being. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she she knows what's going on with Ted immediately. She picks up on it immediately. And she starts needling Daria about it immediately. And it's great. It's, it is exactly, it's that like, that harmless malevolence. Of the he, little sister. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Also, I'm only pointing it out because something kind of similar comes up a little bit later. The fashion club, while they're eating lunch, appears to be dumping all of said lunch onto one community plate in the middle of the four of them. Really? And then not really eating. I didn't even notice that. I don't know why I did, but they're definitely doing it. There's like, there's the four of them sitting down and then there's a plate smack in the middle of all four of them. Like they all have trays and plates and everything with food. But instead of eating said food, they're actually just kind of scraping their food off into that center plate. That's so weird. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of that. I think in conjunction with a detail we're going to notice a little bit later, it's um, it's not great. No, it gives me a bit of an icky feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, we'll get into it when it comes up again later, but just something to, something to point out. So that icky feeling is in response to the idea that you need to, I don't know, starve yourself to be popular or pretty. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of gross. Yeah. And this show has done a pretty good job of staying away from that for the most part. Yeah. Even though it does deal with a lot of popular people who are clearly under a lot of pressure to remain that way. And it's not like this. Sh- it's not like this episode is focusing on it whatsoever. It's it's a tiny detail repeated twice, I think, throughout the whole thing. But it's an episode that is dealing with 
dating. Mm-hmm. You know, we, with a character we've never really seen on a date before. Right. This is for all the, and we'll again we'll get into this later too. But for for all the qualms we have with this episode, this is a pretty important step in like the development of Daria as a character as a person like this is the first time we actually see her engaging someone in this fashion like she goes on a date that she initiates yeah she asks someone out and it works out well the going on the date works out (laughs) everything after that not so much but going on the date works out she goes on two dates in this episode actually yeah she's a Busy person. Yeah, she's a serial dater now. This school takes its yearbook pretty seriously, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't involved in yearbook, so... Same. I was over in the newspaper. We didn't like yearbook. It just seemed like you'd have to engage with a lot of people that you wouldn't normally engage with. And... <laughs> I'm not down for that. (laughs) Yep. Yearbook with its photos and quotes from people throughout the school. (laughs) Probably would mean dealing with people throughout the school. I can see the inherent drawback there. (laughs) Yep. So someone like Daria. I don't know. Why are you on yearbook, Daria? (laughs) Well, if if she's just in the photography staff, that's... So she doesn't have to talk to them. Yep. She can just take incriminating photos and run away. <laughs> take shots when they fall off the trampoline. Yes. <laughs> Next scene, Daria visits Ted's house. Love letters by Ali Crucial plays as he opens the door to a home that has a handmade phonograph and a couch made of Georgia pine. No cushions. Daria is about to leave because... She has good instincts, <laughs> claiming that she can't keep up with him, but she's charmed into sticking around. She gives him his first ever piece of gum, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> it's actually gum. <laughs> Cut to the Morgendorfer residence that night. Helen and Jake get a little visit from Ted's hippie parents who are furious that their son is chewing on the empty offerings of so-called modern society. (laughs) And they demand that Daria back off. (laughs) This set of scenes is so weird. Like, what the hell is this episode? What the hell is this house? (laughs) Oh, I love it. There's actually a cornfield in their front yard. Yeah, let's not make fun of this house too hard because I'm pretty sure you would love this house. I I actually really do. (laughs) (laughs) I would live there. Not with Ted. (laughs) Ted not included. I would get cushions for the couch. I just require that. But it's a soft wood. (laughs) Let's move on from that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a euphemism. So you you have in here you have as part of the note here Daria's the bad kid here uh and and yeah that's pretty much how they're setting it up like the show knows that she's not the bad kid here so we're supposed to view this as inherently ridiculous but like 
in this context, she is the bad kid. She's the one coming out of nowhere and exposing Ted to all these foreign things that he's never had exposure to before. Gum. Like, <gasps> <laughs> like he's been so rigorously homeschooled and so incredibly sheltered that just Daria living her normal life is akin to to being this like temptress. Yes. <laughs> um and we've seen so this is the second time we've seen the Daria as temptress plotline and the last time we saw it it was not even really that it was Brittany thinking Kevin was trying to get with Daria. Oh yeah. During the lab rat. And that was just like a total joke. Yeah, yeah, that led to to some pretty awkward and and bizarre moments and and you know we kind of get the same impact here uh, of just only by the situation becoming incredibly ridiculous around Daria does she become that person mm-hmm. she becomes the temptress <laughs> naturally there's there's kind of a parallel to be drawn between Jake and Helen's hippie friends from That Was Then, This Is Dumb, and the DeWitt Clintons, who are Ted's parents. Um, I kind of appreciate that Helen and Jake like went out of their way to keep up appearances for their old friends, but the DeWitt Clintons are in the door for like two minutes before Helen is using the word hippie as a pejorative and basically kicking them out of the house. She's had enough of her hippie friends. <laughs> She's done. She's over it. Like, I drank too much of that bullshit juice they brought with them. <laughs> I fell in the mud. I'm over it. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Yeah, she has absolutely no tolerance for these two. Which, you know, she shouldn't. Because no. Daria's not the bad kid, and she knows it. Right. Of course, you know, after after that visit, they start getting paranoid. <laughs> And that's another weird, like, we aren't giving con- uh, convincing motivation for Daria to really develop an interest in Ted. We're not given any, like, truly convincing motivation for Daria's parents to start being suspicious of her. And yet both of those things just kind of happen. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, maybe we should get into it later um, when we see that scene, but... <laughs> I mean, we're talking about it now, so why not? I I think that really the only reason they get nervous about this Ted kid is because um, because Quinn mentions cults. Yeah. And they're not really listening to her. <laughs> so they just immediately assume that Ted is in a cult because that's what you assume about homeschool kids, right? <laughs> well we'll get to that one later Uh, but also they like in i guess now in defense of helen and jake they don't really have any reason to give ted's family the benefit of the doubt because those parents came by and did not do anything to ingratiate themselves with the morgendorfers like they were just hard on it immediately like yelling at them the moment they walked in the door oh it's it's weird. Everybody in this episode is weird. I like that Helen, at the end of that scene, says, what is going on with this neighborhood? Uh, first, <laughs> people grow corn in their front yard, and then this. 
Daria and Jane are eating lunch in the school cafeteria, talking about the Ted situation, when who should appear but the blonde devil himself. (laughs) Ted has made Daria a necklace uh, as a thank you gift for his first piece of gum. Again, not a euphemism. Daria refuses the necklace, even though it's beautiful, and Ted walks away dejected. Daria feels terrible. Back at home, Helen and Jake are freaking out a little bit because of this Ted guy, and Quinn isn't helping because, as I said before, she mentions cults. Um, (laughs) But she alleviates her parents' fears by agreeing to set her sister up with one of her normal friends. I noticed normal is in quotes there. Yes. I mean, it's the guy that's sitting at the end of her... Uh, at the end of her cafeteria table. It's Robert. Robert. <laughs> Robert. Oh, Robert. I mean, really? Who calls themselves <laughs> Robert? Bums. Bums and charlatans. <laughs> Bums and charlatans and a-holes. That's it. That's the entire list. It's those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry to all the Roberts who listen. <laughs> We're just going to piss everybody off yeah. tonight. <laughs> Uh, um, so there are a whole lot of, of TV tropes entries about characters who take their principles quite seriously, sometimes too seriously, you know, uh, it can be used to great effect in, in developing character and, and displaying character. Um, Daria's brushing up against a couple of those here, you know, refusing that necklace is, it is the right thing to do. And she's doing it at the expense of totally crushing a guy who she clearly has, a bit of a thing for and she does legitimately think he's sweet and we can see just how much it sucks for her to do that what makes an ostensibly principled character truly principled is that they stick to those principles when it does not behoove them to do so right so so then she fails at that later on yes <laughs> hmm. more or less but here you know where she does have something to lose and where she knows it's going to it's going to hurt her and it's going to hurt him and it's going to make her look like kind of an asshole in front of Jane like she does the right thing i do admire that she does the right thing on the spot right yes i mean she hardly misses a beat here she just has that conversation with jane and turns around and says nope no, thank right. you. <laughs> and actually, if um, in watching the episode, go back and listen to how Tracy Grandstaff delivers that line of "I can't accept this." Like the when she's actually holding the necklace and she says, "Like, oh, I can't, I can't take this." Like, um, it's a really great delivery, and it sounds like just slightly, you know, it's this slight mix of like sad and horrified, and also. It's Daria, so it's not terribly expressive, but it is there. (laughs) Hey, let's play a clip. Actually, yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea. (laughs) This is so cute. You're involved with a kook. We're not involved. Hi, Daria. I was looking for you. I called you this necklace as thanks for the gum. That's beautiful. I guess somebody here is involved. Involved in what? Hey, who wants some hummus? I can't take this keep it but i want you to have it i made it ted i can't take it we work together on your book we don't make jewelry for each other you aren't being sarcastic or hyperbolic are you 
No. Oh, then I guess I'll see you at yearbook. Um, you did the right thing? Also, I mentioned earlier about the fashion club sitting down and scraping all their food into a plate in the middle of all of them. Um, this is the second time, or so this time when we see them all sitting at a table, each of them has for lunch a single cookie and a diet soda. Ugh. Yeah, that that combined with what we saw earlier seems like a conscious choice on behalf of Marcel and Johnson. And that's where I think it's it really kind of drifts into not great territory. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I mean it's a it's a small unnecessary detail, right? Like nobody would care what the fashion club is eating. Except Rock like Press. You, well, <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, if all of them were just sitting there, even if they just had tiny plates of food and were just eating from these very tiny plates of food the first time, we we think nothing of it. We think nothing of this, right? They yeah. could just be in here getting a snack. And that could be the case here. Like they could just be in here getting a snack. But because earlier we saw them scraping all their food into one giant community plate and not touching it, when we look at this... It's not necessarily, oh, they're getting a snack. It's maybe, oh, that's maybe all they're having today. Yeah. Oh, they they chose not to have lunch so they could have their cookie. Right. Or they're just like, this is going to have to sustain me through the day because I'm not allowed to eat a full meal because I have to stay popular. (laughs) It's Marcel and Johnson unnecessarily putting in details or putting in unnecessary details that end up saying something larger than needs to be said or saying something that's just flat out kind of gross it just feels mean yeah it's not great no and again because it's not made like like i'm bringing i'm bringing up these details because i just happened to spot them it's not like these things are made a focus of the episode and i guess there are two sides to that it's like well on one hand it's not like the episode drew attention to it it was just kind of an extra thing but it's still a detail of the episode and right and the fact that it happens and gets glossed over entirely means that it's just so commonplace and acceptable that you don't have to comment on it right i mean every detail counts yes in in any piece of art and we're calling daria art <laughs> it's i mean it's art it's yeah. animation yeah, and mean, by the way, small details in animation are a big deal because small details in animation still take a damn long time. Yeah, I, I mean, any kind of storytelling, the details matter. And in good art, the details build to something more. Right. And with a purpose. Here, you know, if it's not with a purpose, it's still sending a message that... When added to this date storyline, uh, it, it, yeah. it hurts. It's certainly not as egregious as we've seen in the show, all things considered, but that doesn't make it okay. Like, that's not a, that's not a good argument for something being acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I guess what my problem is, is that there are two male writers mm-hmm. just being kind of mean to these female characters mm-hmm. you know yeah there's a connection to be drawn between a lot of the behavior in this episode and the mindset that might go behind 
putting in small details like that. And I think you'll definitely get to that. Yes. yes at the I end will. of this episode. But yeah, taken taken as a whole, it's not a great thing. You know, as as small details, they're small details. You know, they can get ignored, they can get glossed over entirely, like or just sink into our subconscious. Yeah. You know, you, you and I were both watching this show specifically to to analyze it, to, you know, pay attention to these small details and we still like I barely picked up on this. Yes. It's background noise, but background noise still affects us. You know, chances are nine out of 10 people totally, chances are nine out of 10 people never saw it. That 10th person still counts. Daria and Jane are talking about Ted again. This time, they're at the foot of a trampoline and probably supposed to be taking pictures of the bouncing blonde who ends up on the floor. Those trampolines are dangerous. (laughs) Daria is having second thoughts about rejecting Ted. Oh, geez. Mm. (laughs) Particularly because, well, he scares her parents. (laughs) And what worked for Romeo and Juliet will surely work for her. (laughs) When she goes to yearbook, she apologizes to Ted and offers to buy him a slice of pizza. Ted says maybe they should be just friends. His parents warned him that people in conventional school can be kind of shallow. And Daria reminds him of that Quinn girl he sees around. They could probably be friends. (laughs) Ouch. Woof. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. I guess maybe it's on purpose, but I feel like the show is being a little unfair to Daria here. How do you mean? Her reasons for being on the fence about Ted to this point, have been super fair. And she already feels really shitty about it. So to have her sit there and get called out as shallow and be compared directly to Quinn just seems a little... It just seems a little harsh. I don't know. And maybe yeah. that's the point. But but it just seems harsh. Agreed. I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> I love the line of what worked for Romeo and Juliet will surely work for her. <laughs> Yeah. Side note, I was totally obsessed with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet, um, which was from 1996, so a couple years earlier than this. And 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 let's be honest, I'm not quite over that obsession. <laughs> there was a very specific moment in time there where you just you just couldn't get away from Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, that's true. And he did some neat shit. I don't hey. You know, I don't think there's anything inherently awful about Romeo plus Juliet. I think I think it's a really interesting adaptation. <laughs> it's like, tough to fuck that story up. <laughs> <laughs> also, the soundtrack is fun. Yeah. At the Morgendorfer's abode, Daria and Quinn are watching Six Sad World. Quinn convinces Daria to go on a double date with her. At first... She pretends that this guy, Robert, has a crush on Daria, but quickly admits their parents' bribery. Plus, Quinn is dating a guy that never shuts up. (laughs) (laughs) This poor guy. He's getting a raw deal. He really is. On the date itself, Daria discovers that Quinn has yet another motive. 
the yearbook pages, of course. And Daria is pissed, so she just gets out of the car and walks home. And good for her. Yeah. I'm just being like, you know what? Fuck you, people. I'm done. <laughs> just walking home. The hell with it. It is a really good scene inside that car, though. Yes. It it very much is. You have Quinn's... The guy Quinn is dating who never shuts up, who barely gets two syllables out before Quinn, before Quinn yells at him to shut All up. All he says is what <laughs> yeah. the entire time. And every time he says what, she says, shut up. Yeah, just immediately. <laughs> Uh, and also, Robert has index cards. Yeah. He's adorable. He's <laughs> he's like reading these pre-written questions, uh, and the, and the pre-written questions are like legitimately about like political world events. Yes. Um, and he's like barely getting through them. And then Daria's answer to I think the first one was noble idea, but the UN's timetable is unrealistic. What do you think? And he just goes, uh. Same. And then moves on <laughs> to the next question. I Quinn has to have written those questions, right? I mean, I have to imagine she got somebody to write the questions. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yes. Pretty impressive first date talk. I am more than willing to believe that Quinn is much, much smarter than she lets on. I am not necessarily willing to believe that she has that club in the bag. Especially when she didn't know what hippies were. Yes. <laughs> also, she has the line, look, when you get thrown off a horse, you have to get back up and shoot it, right? Also a favorite of mine. Queen has really good lines in this episode. Also in the car, um, Daria says, you were trying to buy my influence with a date. And she says, that's how we do it in America, comrade. <laughs> And her eyebrow lifts. <laughs> it's very good. I I love Quinn in this episode. I, she doesn't know about hippies, but she knows about communism. <laughs> She's all over the place. <laughs> there is there is an argument to be made somewhere that Quinn is by far the smartest person on this show and chooses exactly what to show people at any given time, even when she's dealing with Daria. We're definitely building that case. <laughs> what was the last thing? Oh, so this is the return of the Daria vehicle interior. Do you feel like this one is as bad as others? Go back and watch. It really is as bad as others. There's, okay. There's an entire side of this car missing. There's no <laughs> way this thing is going down the side of the road. Maybe I was just so engrossed in... <laughs> The delight that was yeah, the scene. <laughs> it's totally, I like, I missed it the first time I went through. I went back and I watched the, the scene again. And first of all, I had to remember that Daria vehicle interiors were even a thing because it hasn't really been an issue for a little bit. But yeah, this sort of like three quarter profile shot of the car that they do where there's just like Quinn's seat is floating out off to the side, like that vehicle <laughs> in Jurassic park that they're shooting dinosaurs from. Oh, like she should have goggles and a scarf and it should be billowing behind. <laughs> I do have to go back and watch that now. <laughs> it's really silly. Look, and it's, it's such a, it's such a stupid thing to nitpick, but I can't help but, but crack up whenever I see it because someone has to sit down and then draw that. Well, you know, a very significant portion of 
your time as an adolescent is spent in cars. Yep. <laughs> like the most significant times. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, maybe we should get some better. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. You see, the, the expanded interior is, is a reflection of how when you're inside the car as a teenager with your friends or with your loved ones, it can often feel like the world. So then the walls Ooh. fall away and you just have all the space and, and it is everything to you. And All right, let's move on. Clever, clever, clever. <laughs> Moving on then. Please. Uh, Daria and Ted are discussing photographs for yearbook. They are in yet another yearbook meeting. <laughs> and then the popular kids storm into Mr. DiMartino's classroom and demand their yearbook pages back. Ted pulls a bit of trickery, mentions a sale at the department store, and most of the mob leaves. Um, again, kind of cruel to the ladies. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that they're shallow enough to... It's like a like a flock of crows that see something shiny. Yeah. Not nice. No, that's not great. But Kevin and Brittany stay behind. And uh, Ted suggests that he and Kevin settle this disagreement with a grip test. And before Kevin even knows what that is, Ted has twisted the football player's wrist. And we hear a gross popping noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daria once again asks Ted out for pizza. Ted accepts this time. Aqua's turn back time sets the mood for what we briefly see of their date. So, this scene. Clearly, Daria has a bit of Quinn in her, liking boys fighting over her, you know? Um, I mean, the <laughs> response to Ted's show of aggression is to ask him out on a date. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great at all. Um, yeah. Like we've, we've seen some seeds planted for her changing her mind. So it's not like this is like, it's not like this is out of nowhere. Like she sees the show of aggression and then she's like, oh, never mind. Um, but it's still, it's the thing that pushes her over. And that's, yeah. that's not good. Yeah, no, it's not good at all. It's really disappointing. Yeah, it is. I re like. I have no follow up to that. It's it's a bummer. It's a bummer to see it. Um, and like you said, it it kind of runs parallel to what we've seen from Quinn, which I don't know if that's like a directive. I don't know if that's a theme that they're trying to reinforce, but it's certainly happening frequently. Yes. Yeah. Um. At least she's the one that does the asking, though. Yes. I mean. That's that's all I got. Yeah, it's not like he break. It's not like Ted breaks Kevin's wrist and then walks over to Daria and says, "Let's go, babe," and just like, puts his arm around her and walks out. She's like, "Oh, hey, all right." And well. that could have happened. Yes, like it very very easily could have happened. So at least we have Daria asking him out. Yes, eh, a little, which credit. is a big deal. Like, and so it's a bummer that. It's a bummer that the first time we see Daria asking somebody out, the first time we see Daria engaging in anything like this, it's under these circumstances. And I think maybe that's what bums me out about it most, because this should be a much bigger episode. This should be a much bigger moment for this character. And instead, it's just kind of eh, with this guy who we're going to see like maybe once or twice again for the entire series. 
Agreed. That said, their date actually is a little bit adorable. <laughs> and we're getting to that. <laughs> um, but, you know, while that date is happening, Mr. DiMartino is in his classroom doing a little late night grading when the shadow of Miss Barch creeps over him. <laughs> She's not pleased with the decision to take the yearbook pages away from sports and clubs. And we really need to play the clip. <laughs> so we get those karate noises. Yes, absolutely. Miss <laughs> Botch. I understand you're cutting the club pictures out of the yearbook. We've decided to shift the emphasis. Oh, from... save it. Do you know who the faculty advisor to the science club is? Uh. The same person who sponsors the Take Back the Night Lawndale High School Women's Self-Defense Club. <laughs> Clearly, DiMartino gets his ass kicked uh, to the tune of The Box by Orbital. This is the second time Ms. Barch has beaten the shit out of Mr. DiMartino, right? Yeah, yeah. At least the second time. I'm trying to think. She shot him a bunch. <laughs> Which seems weird to say, but in, uh, in, oh God, what was the name of the episode? Uh, the Daria Hunter. The paintball episode. Yeah. She went nuts on him. She shot him a whole bunch point blank with those paintball thingies and they hurt. <laughs> those paintball thingies hurt. Yeah. Um, Miss Barch is definitely the, um, aggressive female here. Yes. You know, the bitch stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, initially, I am pleased that in an episode where Daria has gone soft over a boy um, and is responding positively to a bit of boy on boy violence, Miss Barch takes back the night with her <laughs> badassery. But I mean, the violence is still not cool. Yeah, it's a it's a recurring theme. Yeah. Also, it's really just unrealistic. <laughs> I don't know. Mr. DiMartino is kind of a tiny guy. <laughs> but also a vet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is that whole thing where we have to be a little bit careful about portraying violence on Vietnam vets. <laughs> Especially yeah. in the late 90s when, you know, they're probably in, what, their 50s or 60s at this point. Also, they're co-workers at yeah. their work. It's after hours. Anything goes. And he's going to like show up to work the next day with a black eye. And just be like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I guess some, some real serious issues going on at this school. Yeah. <laughs> like we can only take so many deep dives per episode. But there's a real deep dive to be had here about just this sort of abusive. About Miss Barch and, and the abusive nature thereof. Yeah. Maybe we'll save it for a later date. Speaking of dates. Hey. <laughs> hey. Look at that. Daria and Ted's date has progressed to the arcade. Appropriately, or maybe tangentially appropriate, a video killed the radio star by the presidents of the United States of America <laughs> uh, backs the scene. As luck would have it, Daria's previous date, because she's just a date and fool, uh, <laughs> her previous date, Robert, is hanging out with his buds at the arcade, and he decides to hassle that chick Darcy by raiding their virtual reality castle. 
(laughs) (laughs) Daria gets a little nauseous, so she bows out of the game, and she reads a book and waits for Ted and company to finish their errant night fantasy, but they're nowhere near finished, and the arcade is closing. Daria walks out to the tune of Drinking in L.A. by Brand Van 3000. This is yet another episode where Daria gets nauseous. Yeah, she really can't handle too much outside outside of an indoor setting, can she? Right. Or not even an indoor setting, just like home. (laughs) She walks out that door and (laughs) puke. (laughs) I wonder if it's a, I don't know, this is reading too far into it, but it feels like a social anxiety kind of thing. Yeah. That is... That is a very legitimate thing. There are people or car who... sickness. True. Yeah. Like motion sickness. Yeah. Because she gets sick when they're driving in a bus to the Mall of America. Yep. And then or she... the Mall of Mo- the Millennium, right? <laughs> she yartses all over the trolley. Yarts. Well, she doesn't yarts here. No. She has the good sense to get out of the game before that happens. Which, by the way, Lawndale in 1998 having a fully dedicated virtual reality arcade game with like the built-in treadmills and everything. So you can actually run on it. That's Lawndale is fucking rich, man. Yeah, they really are. It's a really upscale neighborhood. What I want to know is why aren't they playing Jamiroquai's virtual (laughs) reality in this scene? Virtual insanity? Or virtual insanity? Ah. Please do not besmirch the greatest music video of all time. (laughs) The only other thing I have to say about this scene is Daria's idea of a night out is the best. (laughs) I would totally date Daria. Hell yeah. Pizza and arcade? Yes, please. (laughs) We all know Rob would date Daria, so. Well, I mean, that's a good I've just joined the club. If Jane's not available... (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah jane is always first pick oh we're drifting into fanfic territory pull out pull out pull out (laughs) did you just say pull out oh man (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway The next day at Lawndale High, Daria is blaming herself for the date gone wrong. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just clear that Ted is the doofus. Um, He already has plans to meet with Robert and the dudes at the arcade later on. Daria is further disappointed by the fact that Mr. DiMartino has been beaten into submission, quite literally, so the clubs and sports teams have their yearbook pages back. Daria goes home and tells her parents that she's resigned from yearbook. They say that's okay, she participated for a week, so it counts for her college application. (laughs) Um, But they gave the computer software to Quinn! who got some brain to make her a fashion webpage that gets 2,500 hits in three hours. Daria does the big sisterly thing and proceeds to punch Quinn. A lot. (laughs) Credits roll to cakes, Daria. I mean, there's a lot to say, and we're about to say a lot. It is really tough to listen to the sound of Daria punching Quinn. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like there's some really good Behind foley. Behind a closed door. Yeah, there's some really good foley work going on there. And it's it's just tough to hear. But it's totally something I could see a big sister doing. Yeah, and we're we're not assuming that it's like blood sport in there or anything. This is probably Daria slugging Quinn on the arm or some shit like that. Like it's Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the sound it's like someone like slamming a raw steak against the wall or something like that. It's just got this like wetness to it. Ow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Jane has a line during this um, set of scenes where she says, boys playing with swords. I think that probably has some significance, <laughs> um, which is an amazing little throwback to um, the pilot when we realize that the pencil is a metaphor. <laughs> like the very first bit of analysis that you provided to Morgan Doris yes. nine months ago. Yep. I'm probably not a coincidence that it was written by the same guys. Uh, not a coincidence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Jane's line also points to something that's fairly unique about this episode, and we've talked about a bit already. There's just a lot of violence in this episode. Mm. Like, yeah, the boys playing with swords, um, but also the grip contest. Um Daria's subsequent approval of Ted's show of masculinity, uh, plus Ms. Barch kicking M- Mr. DiMartino's ass, which I suppose, you know, we'll have to say it, is completely unrealistic, as I said before, um, and exists only for sexist comic relief. You know, we've got petty, angry woman, so she must be a violent woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on a more low-key level, um, that I'd probably call aggression rather than violence there's robert hassling that chick darcy um and the anger from ted's hippie parents and kevin meeting daria at her locker to intimidate her into getting the pages back yeah yeah um calling her a traitor right Mm -hmm. um then the episode ratchets up the violence to close with daria beating up her sister i mean the boys playing with swords is literal child's play compared to the violence that dating teenage boys seems to condone, <laughs> encourage, and, and exacerbate here, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it, it, it's just, it really bothers me in this episode. I, I know in previous episodes we've mentioned that this is a pre-Columbine shooting world uh, that doesn't blink at jokes about gun violence and bullying. But you know, when I watch this episode, I think, you know, there's the toxic masculinity just bleeds into everything. And it's really hard not to see Columbine coming. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's not overt. It's subtle. And it's just the fact that it happens so frequently throughout the episode. Um, and in many ways, that makes it a little bit more insidious because yeah. it's easy for this stuff to just kind of slip in and, and make a mark without there being any accountability for it. You know, like like the detail with the, the fashion club and what they were eating, you know, during their lunches. Like, because it's just a small detail and because it's repeated, it gets to have an impact, but the show doesn't have to deal with the consequences of that message at all. It just gets to kind of put it out there. So are we 
are we assuming here that this isn't deliberate on the part of the of the writers that it's more of a um when i look at the other stuff they've done when i look at sealed with a kick all right you had kevin um and again sealed with a kick it was before the show was established it was before characters were established but we had kevin being a pretty aggressive guy in that like he basically pinned daria against the locker and and you know had a conversation with her that was i would argue probably even more intimidating and disturbing than the conversation he had with her at the locker in this episode yeah where he basically just walks up to her and calls her a traitor a bunch but you know his tone is is threatening um you have the big house where um that episode also has uh the roller hockey or the oh, yeah. the floor hockey match between between the radio DJs and the teachers, which ends with Miss Barch beating the shit out of a DJ. Yeah. It also has the male, the the teacher, I believe Mr. DiMartino, attacking and being attacked by one of the DJs. Like it, it's there's a there actually is a lot of violence in that episode. Now that I think about it, I was getting ready to skip over it. Um <laughs> And then in College Board, you don't have any violence, but you do have older guys preying on a 14-year-old girl. Right. And also being gross to Helen. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if it's being done specifically to promote a specific point of view. I said specific twice in that sentence. Um, I find it like I find it hard to say that it's a it's a malevolent thing on the part of the writers. Like, I think they're just kind of writing, you know, what they know, quote unquote, works for them. And what they believe to be funny. Yeah. Which is violent women. Yeah. I (laughs) I think it's at the cost of some of the messages and themes that the show has portrayed otherwise, you know? Yeah. I think you just really hit what I've been dancing around <laughs> you know, at least in my head I'm not sure like how much I've said this out loud but I've been thinking you know how how deliberate is this you know is it you know is there a point to all of this violence or is it just there for entertainment and yeah you 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 hit the nail on the head there hmm. it's undermining some of what we think are the more relevant characteristics of this show. Yeah. And and you know a a lot of a lot of the time when we've come down on a show hard when we've had a lot of criticism about a show it's for when it undermines the the main tenets of the show specifically to kind of say whatever it wants to say and do whatever it wants to do you know mm-hmm. that was the problem we that was one of the many problems we had with the lab brat you know um same with the daria hunter but yeah it's it's this it's this recurring thing when when the writers kind of forget the show they're writing and think more about the things that they want to say I think ideally you combine those two things. You come at it with something that you want to say, and then you find a way to say it in the context and in the world of the show you're writing for. And you can do that, and you can make entertaining shows that way. Like, that's entirely possible. But if you don't do it right, it's going to come off pretty badly, and mm-hmm. it hasn't been done right a couple of times in this in this series. And this 
may very well be another one of those times. Yep. <laughs> In other news, Quinn has a laptop. That's fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, they are rich, aren't they? Right? Totally. So the the title of her webpage, I, I snuck a look at the screen when they were showing it. I paused it. The title of her webpage is, hi, I'm Quinn, with exclamation points. Its <laughs> sections are outfits, friends, recommended TV, famous sayings and wave files, yes. I heart animals, and finally, hopes and dreams. I love the wave files. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really great little kickback to 1998. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've done so much work on cultural context without actually digging into the cultural context yet. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Although it does mean that this episode's going to run long. Whatever. It made it more than like 25 minutes out, so it has a leg up on the previous recording. Turns out we actually had a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to dig into some cultural context? Yes, we do. Okay. So Ted is the, shall we say, exaggerated product of homeschooling, uh, a practice that involves parents keeping their children out of public government-run schools and giving them a quote-unquote equivalent education at home. Equivalent is in quotes there, not because homeschooling is inherently any better or worse than public schooling, but because it obviously varies depending heavily upon the parents involved. The legality of homeschooling varies throughout the world. Uh, For instance, it's generally illegal in Brazil, Sweden, and Germany, but generally legal in Canada, France, and Australia. Here in the United States, homeschooling was only legal in 20 states as of 1980. It wasn't until 1993 that it became legal in all 50 states, and that's when the numbers of homeschooled students in the U.S. began to increase significantly. It's remarkably hard to pin down the homeschooled population from year to year for a whole bunch of reasons that we won't go into here. Um, However, folks have made the effort. According to a 1999 report by Patricia M. Lines, conducted for the National Institute on Student Achievement Curriculum and Assessment within the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Educational Research and Improvement, what a business card. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She says, the total number of homeschoolers in the 1990-1991 school year seems to have been between Uh, 250,000 to 350,000 children nationwide, and around 700,000 to 750,000 in 1995 to 1996. According to the National Center for Education Statistics and their 1999 report on homeschooling in the United States, which uses Comic Sans for its title font, uh, (laughs) the... (laughs) The number of homeschooled students at the time this episode of Daria aired was somewhere around 850,000. According to a subsequent issue brief by NCES, by 2003, that number had grown to around 1.1 million. In Mm -hmm. 2010, the National Home Education Research Institute found the number to be 2.04 million Of course, the National Home Education Research Institute might have some skin in the game, but that number does seem to track. So the explosion of homeschooling's popularity in the 90s explains why a character like Ted just kind of drops in for an episode of Daria. 
and that's straightforward enough. Um, and as we mentioned, he's something of an exaggeration. But there is something to the stereotypes we saw in him and his parents. According to the U.S. Department of Education, when parents were asked what they considered to be either, quote, important or most important reasons for homeschooling their children, 91% cited a concern about the environment of other schools, 77% cited a desire to provide moral instruction, 74% cited dissatisfaction with academic instruction at other schools, and 64% cited a desire to provide religious instruction. So the desire to shield children from the malevolent influences of their public school peers, like Daria, that temptress, is <laughs> clearly front and center in a lot of parents' minds when they make the decision to homeschool their children, which maybe isn't the worst stance to take on something so important, but it's pretty weird that Ted's parents outlawed gum. And pizza. And pizza. What the hell? I don't even know how you li like my body was like 30% pizza in my teenage years. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you exist any other way. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't even know what pizza is. Right. It's just a crime. <laughs> Do we want to rank this episode? Uh, I suppose we must. <laughs> so enthusiastic. <laughs> As always. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I guess opening gambits here. Uh, at the top, I said I don't think this episode is as bad as the previous ones we've seen from these guys. and Which are college board sealed with a kick and the big house, right? Right. If we're going by that rubric, then this episode would be at least above number 15. Because college board is the top College Board is 15, uh, Sealed with a Kick is 18, and The Big House is 19. So if this episode is better than College Board, this episode is better than 15th on our list. Do we want to stand by that after our conversation? That is exactly what I was about to ask, because I think we we see some stuff in this episode that we really don't like. And for as good as Quinn is, and she is very good... <laughs> In this episode. She's got really good lines in this yeah. episode. And for as for as cute as the initial part of the date, like the pizza part of the date is with Daria and Ted. And for, you know, some of the some of the little pieces of, of dialogue here and there. Like there is some there is some enjoyable stuff in this episode. Like this is not a total wash. Right. Um but Boy, there's a lot of stuff that is really troubling that I'm not wild about. Also, um, as far as structure is concerned, I mean, we just keep going back to similar scenes. Like, I must have said Daria and Jane are talking about Ted like five times. <laughs> yeah. I think structurally I go back to, uh, you know, what I was mentioning earlier where well, both of us were mentioning earlier, where the motivations for Daria being interested in Ted are a little questionable to begin with. And then the motivations behind Daria's parents acting the way they do are a little questionable. And then Daria having a sudden change of heart on Ted because of some violence he enacts on Kevin is kind of counter to what we know and think of, of Daria, not her sister, 
but Daria. So there's some stuff there that just, you know, going back to that argument of these are actions and situations that run counter to the characters and themes of this show, typically, and it's being done specifically to do what the writers want to do. You know, in, in some cases, that's not a big deal. In some cases, it's a very big deal. And then we have stuff like, you know, the, the fashion club's lunch decisions <laughs> that are yeah. ultimately very tiny details in this episode. And it doesn't harp on them or anything, but they're there and they're every bit as troubling as, you know, some of the stuff that we saw on College Board and um, some of the stuff we saw on The Lab Brat. I think I've made my decision. Okay, can I guess? Yes. I, my guess is that you would want to put this between College Board and the Lab Rat. You are wrong, sir. Uh-oh. Where's it going? <laughs> I'm putting it even further. Wow, really? I, yeah. So, so I was thinking, okay, it might be on par with the Lab Rat, but honestly, when I think of Sealed with a Kick, like, I enjoyed Sealed with a Kick, the pilot, mm -hmm. um, and... In Sealed with a Kick, Daria has agency. She's not exactly the Daria we know going forward, mm -hmm. but, you know, she has agency. She's she's clever. You know, she's fun to watch. And it's a short, snappy pilot. I like it. Um, but, you know, I feel like even though this episode comes in season two when we know Daria better, mm -hmm. um, it's like they haven't been paying attention you know <laughs> that hey you know that's that's a really good point and um one of the things with these with these rankings that it's a trap we we kind of fall into is placing episodes by episodes that they're similar to not necessarily in quality but in like the things that they try to do and a lot of the time what what we have to look at when we're stuck on something is hey do we want to watch this episode again or not <laughs> <laughs> if we had to watch so-and-so episode before this episode again, would we do that? Or would we, you know, watch this one before that one? And, and um, going by that, yeah, I think I would watch Sealed with a Kick again before I would watch this episode again. Would you watch The Big House before this episode? Mm, I don't know. I really hated The Big House. There's at least some stuff I enjoyed <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> The big house was not very good. I mean, you do have, you know, Daria's big moment of you know, going on a date, going for this episode. Yeah, and and I mean, I I almost end up holding that against this episode because it just kind of shits all over that opportunity, right? <laughs> like there are so many things you could have done with. Hey, guys, we need you to handle Daria's first date. Her first two dates. Her first, yeah, her first two dates. There's so much we could, and I guess like technically we don't know for sure that it's her first date ever. Like that's not said explicitly. But it's the first one we see. It's the first one we see. It's the first time she's shown any interest in a guy outside of Trent in a in like a practical. Hey, I'm gonna go out with you because we're in high school and that's what people do when they have crushes. Sense. And yes. they have a they have one really cute moment when they're eating pizza, <laughs> and everything else is just a total waste. Like there's mm -hmm. no point to it, and it's such a bummer. And so, like, yeah, we have that really great moment, 
and and it is a big episode for or it is supposed to be a big episode for her and her character but womp womp (laughs) i think that this should go under sealed with a kick at number 19 above big house so and i mean this is so splitting hairs at this point but what does this episode (laughs) have that puts it above the big house because I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm completely on board with it being under sealed with a kick. Um, it has good Quinn lines. That's a fair point. Like really good Quinn lines. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the big house, I think. True. It also has the scene in the car. The scene in the car is very good. It really is. The scene in the car is very crisp. It's very well written. It's very funny. Um, look, when you fall off the horse, you have to get back up and shoot it. Like that alone should buy this four spots on the list, and it doesn't because the rest of the episode sucks so much. <laughs> um, if I sound frustrated, it's because I am. <laughs> you know, going into this episode of Morgan Dorks, I was like, "Oh, I've kind, I kind of enjoyed this episode. I, I really <laughs> don't know where I'd put this on the the rankings." And I just like <laughs> talked myself out of it. That's what we're here to do. We're here to drag each other down. <laughs> You think you like this show? You didn't like this show. Let me tell you why you didn't like this show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rob. (laughs) No, hey, the number of times that's happened during the episode ranking section where we'll go in and I'll be like, I think this could be like number five. And you'd be like, no, fuck you. This is number like (laughs) 10. And I go, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's because I go into the ranking like pretty angry to begin with <laughs> like why do i have to do this <laughs> i think we're getting better at it we're definitely yes. getting a lot better at it um so yeah i think that's fair um so number 19 yep i believe All it is right. the new number 19 so okay so that puts episode 7 the new kid at number 19 under sealed with a kick and just over the big house yep all right Do you want to wrap up this episode before my computer crashes? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good call. (laughs) And that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. In case you haven't heard, uh, we are now on Patreon. So head on over there to support the show. We'll be throwing some goodies your way. Uh, That's going to take the form of posts featuring some more cultural context, some further discussion on the episodes, uh, shout outs on the podcast itself, and possibly some blooper material. We're actually, I've uploaded a few uh, of the blooper tracks uh, already, and I'm looking to upload more. It's just this week has been insane, so I haven't been able to, Um, but they're there. So there are right now there are two tiers. There's one dollar gets you access to the blooper tapes. It gets you access to posts and stuff. I don't think there are any posts yet, but look, it's the early days. Uh, <laughs> and then five dollars will get access to you know sort of the larger scale stuff that we're still working on. So um, we actually got our first patron on Woo! there. Yeah, we have Dominic Peel. Thank you so much. Dominic, for being our first patron, for supporting the show, for being such a righteously cool individual that you think this silly thing is is worth showing support for. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, yes. And, you know, we, 
whether or not you give on Patreon, we super appreciate you guys out there, you know, listening, interacting and, and, uh, reaching out to us. It's really awesome. Uh, this, the community, the little community around this show is, is really kind of an adorable and amazing thing to watch. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Morgan Dorks, email us at morgandorks at gmail.com or check out our website, morgandorks.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Also, we're on Facebook. Just, you know, search for us. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Daria Reborn. Link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you, Nissa. Hey, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. We'll see you again in two weeks for Season 2, Episode 8, Gifted, here on Morgan Dorks.